today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. comes and calls me and speaks to me and I know it's his will, his direction and he's calling for me in my life to do something that, man, I would never choose that in my own life. Am I willing to do that to show my absolute obedience and faithfulness to the Lord in my life? Real circumcision is very painful, but so is the cutting away of the flesh of any part of our life. Because the flesh cries out and says, stop, you're hurting me. Has God ever called you to do something totally opposite of what you would naturally want to do? The reality is, in life, the Lord demands total surrender of our fleshly desires that can only separate us from Him. Pastor David, in Joshua chapter 5, speaks on the custom of circumcision. He compares this act to cutting away the flesh that must take place in our life. It hurts, and it's difficult to do. But the Lord is always faithful to supply us with the strength that it takes. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, Memorial Stones. telling me about how Jesus has done this for him, how Christ has done that, how God has provided that. You know what? I'm really getting tired of my life ending up in dead ends. Maybe I need to pay attention to what my uncle or what my cousin or what my brother or what my coworker or what my neighbor has been sharing with me, that his God or her God is a God who provides, a God who makes a way, a God who is powerful. Joshua made certain, again, that the testimony to his God would also be in the land that they left. If you and I as believers are just way too comfortable fellowshipping only with believers, and we don't have any relations with non-believers, our light is of little or no value. We need to be a testimony to the world outside of us. No, not in gaining and attending and being a part of the deeds of darkness, but again, having those friendships having those connection points beyond just the easy ones of other believers. Verse 10, So the priest who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben and the men of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, and they feared him as they had feared Moses in all the days of his life. You need to understand, this is an important factor right here because of what's going to be happening next. 
Suddenly, God exalted Joshua among the people. They recognized his leadership within their lives. And when it says that they feared Joshua, it wasn't like, whoa, you know, whoa, watch out for Joshua. He's going to smack you every chance he gets. No, it's not that kind of a fear, but it's a reverence. It's an honor. It's a respect. No, man, Joshua is the man that God has called to lead us. And we're going to listen to what Joshua says. We're going to be obedient to what Joshua says because God is leading him. And so verse 15, Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. It came to pass, when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all of its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And these 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. That's the one where the 12 men carried the stones over. They set now that those memorial stones there in Gilgal. So there they are. They're all in place. 40,000 armed men from those tribes that were going to settle on the eastern side of the Jordan, as well as the balance of the people who are going to be settling all throughout the promised land as they went through and they took possession of the land. Their first place for everyone coming together, the whole camp came together in the area of Gilgal. And here's where they set those memorial stones up. And here's where we'll find that they return back over and over again through the book of Joshua, coming back to Gilgal. It's a place where, again, I I believe that that God is working in their lives. It's that place of remembrance of what God has done in the past. And I come back. And for you and I, whenever we go through battles, particularly when we get our tail kicked, okay, in, in spiritual battles, we need to go back to that place where we have seen God faithful and God strong in our lives. And that's what Gilgal becomes to the people of Israel and to Joshua. As they go and they fight these battles, he goes back to Gilgal many times to get just that renewed strength and that renewed encouragement of the might and the power of God working within their lives. Then Joshua spoke to the children of Israel. This is verse 21. He spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So here we are. They're getting settled in. They're on this side now with Gilgal, coming back and forth to Gilgal as that place of refreshment. They're now on the western side of the Jordan River. And I believe that at this point, the fear that the pagan people had had before is even more so. As a matter of fact, the word tells us that fear ran through the hearts of all these kings and of all the people. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, that's all the way over to the Mediterranean Sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. I believe that that word traveled pretty quickly. 
I believe that the people that either lived in Jericho or around in Gilgal, when they saw what was happening with the Jordan River during flood stage, and all of these people are walking along, man, they beat feet and they began to tell everybody that they met what's going on. This God of these Hebrew children, these Israelites, he stopped the Jordan River for them. And they went off, and they had already heard of the battles that they, they fought against the kings of the Amorites, uh, Shion and, uh, and Og, as they defeated him. So all of this word and these continual happenings that have been going on. So now, wouldn't it be a great time now to go ahead and press forward, go ahead and do battle with this people who are in such great fear? I mean, they would probably run away if they just kept marching on. Well, there was a couple of things that I think that God needed to work on them. Number one is get that memorial stone correct. Get that point and place that, again, becomes for your life just a touch point of where God has worked in your life in the past so that you can always go back to that and be strengthened by the remembrance of what God has done in the past. But the second thing here is God needed to do another work within the children of Israel to prepare them and prepare us actually for a a greater spiritual battle. Because before they can enter into the greatness of the battles that are set out before them, there needed to be a cutting away. There needed to be a cutting away of the things of the flesh. A very personal reminder, that covenant relationship between Israel and Jehovah God. And yes, sometimes the cutting away of the flesh can be very painful. Very painful. And we're going to see this here. Because in verse 2, it says, At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. Now, he's not saying they're getting a second circumcision. No, it's just that they had not had circumcision for this generation, this whole generation. So now they're going to go through it. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at a place called Gibeath Haraloth, or better known as the Hill of the Foreskins. In verse 4, it says, And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of the war, had died in the wilderness on the way, after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness, on the way as they came out of Egypt, had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness, till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 7, Then Joshua circumcised their sons, whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was, when they had finished circumcising all the people, they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. The people of Israel had gone for 40 years in the wilderness experience. During that time, they had not been obedient to the Lord in fulfilling that covenantal ritual, that sign of circumcision, that cutting away of the foreskin of the male. And Israel was not going to be able to claim that covenant land until they had fulfilled the sign of the covenant for themselves. You want this land that I gave you as a covenant? Remember that sign that I gave you as part of that covenant? It hasn't happened to you guys. So now it's going to happen. 
I forget where I was teaching and circumcision was brought up in it and there was a, a, a young lady in the congregation. She was a young teenager and she was oblivious to, you know, her dad was the only male in her family. and So she stuck her hand up. And that's why I a lot of times don't answer questions during Bible studies. Uh, she just said, uh, what is circumcision? And I'm thinking, okay, how do I, how, 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 um, ask your mama. So, uh, <laughs> circumcision, it is a cutting away of the flesh. We understand that. We know that. It's a powerful act of consecration to the Lord for the people of Israel. And as a symbol, as a sign of what it was for Israel, it speaks to us of the priorities of our life. A priority to remain faithful to the leading and the direction of the Lord in our lives rather than following the will of the flesh. Nobody's just going to voluntarily do that, especially as an adult. But am I willing to do what God has called me to do? Even if it's something else, some other direction. If God comes and calls me and speaks to me and I know it's his will, his direction, and he's calling for me in my life to do something that, man, I would never choose that in my own life. Am I willing to do that to show my absolute obedience and faithfulness to the Lord in my life? Real circumcision is very painful, but so is the cutting away of the flesh of any part of our life. Because the flesh cries out and says, stop, you're hurting me. I need this or I need that and I I, I want to do this and I want to do that. But when we cut those things out, that is purposefully cutting away something within our lives that in order that God might get glory in our lives rather than us trying to glory in the flesh. If we listen to the flesh, we won't be able to fully hear from God. We have to commit to that cutting away of the things of the world in our lives. Remember what the word tells us. Jesus speaks when he tells the parable of the four different soils. Remember that one soil, that third soil. He said that the cares of the world, the the lure of wealth, the desire for other things came in and choked the word out and it yielded nothing. If you and I listen to the cares and the concerns of the flesh over the things of God in our life, then we're going to be concerned about the things of this world a whole lot more than we are concerned about spiritual things in our life. And we're not going to be able to hear God all that well. Because by and large, God speaks to us in a still, small voice. Now, he may bring that correction to us when we need it. But by and large, he comes up and says, David, this is what I want you to do. And all the while, the world is screaming or the flesh is screaming. You know, the enemy is detracting and stretching out. I've got to be focused in. I've got to be desiring and willing to hear the Lord if I'm going to hear him. Because everything else is so loud and so in our face. That's why we have to be quiet before the Lord. That's why we have to take those times of shutting everything off and just sitting quietly before the Lord and listening to his voice. Man, reading through his word and allowing his word to speak to us. Remember, as Paul tells us in the book of Romans, that those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit on the things of the spirit. I want my flesh cut off in order that I can hear the spirit. And yeah, it's painful because I want this. I desire that. 
The world makes it look so alluring and so pleasurable. And, oh, man, if we just did that or I just had that, oh, man, I don't have time for this over here, Lord. I don't don't want to commit to this. I don't want to commit my time or commit my finances or commit my talents. Lord, I, I, I can't commit to anything because if I commit to something, then that might really mess me up of doing something that I want to do. Remember, John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, he says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. How plain do you have to get to that? Do we need to do a deep Greek word study to figure out what that says? I don't think so, because he goes on to say, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Beloved, circumcision is a cutting away of the things of the flesh and of this world that separate us from obedience to God. Circumcision is a sign. It's a sign of renouncing the things of this world and taking a stand for the things of Christ and, yes, even to our own hurt. Even to our own hurt. The people of Israel had been a reproach to God. They'd been in Egyptian captivity for over 400 years. Then when God freed them, they they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 more years because of their disobedience, because of their mumblings and grumblings and complaints and their lack of faith. They were described as hard-hearted, stiff-necked and disobedient children. At one time during their wilderness journey, 14,700 of them died of a plague because of their unfaithfulness. And hundreds more, uh, the Lord opened up the earth and swallowed them and their families. Why? Because of their disobedience. Whole generation ends up dying in the wilderness because of their lack of faith. And now as they come into that promised land, the Lord is ready to remove their reproach and pour his blessing upon them. Who but God would do that for anybody? To continually shake a fist and literally by the very life that we live, curse the very name and the purpose and the direction of God in our lives. And the Lord just let us out a little bit, let us out a little bit, let us out a little bit, and then slowly start reeling us back in. I refer to a big mouth bass. Now, I'm not a big fisherman, but you get a big mouth bass on that thing. You want to let him wear himself out before you try and pull him in. And I see the Lord doing that so much in so many lives. You think, ah, won't they ever get it right? Don't they see what's going on? Haven't they experienced the Lord enough in the past that right now they would be obedient to what he wants to do for them in the present? I praise God that my God is not impatient, but he's long-suffering and he's merciful. He wants to remove their approach. In verse 9, chapter 5, the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day, which means rolling. That's simply what it means. Now, the children of Israel camped in Gilgal, and they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. They ate of the produce of the land on the day after Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. 
And then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. If the ritual of circumcision had taken place on the day that they crossed over, that was the 10th day of the first of the month. So if it had been done that day or even the next day, which would have been the 11th day of the month, Passover was on the 14th day of the month. That would have been a healing process of only a couple of days. And the healing process for an adult that goes through circumcision is anywhere from a week to two weeks. God had to supernaturally work in those guys' lives to bring healing to them. For them to even be a part of that Passover celebration. But I believe that even in that, I'm sure the women probably did most of the heavy lifting at that point in time. But God is working. He's bringing them back. He's bringing them back to a recognition of the promise. And remember what the Passover was. The Passover was that recognition that you would do every year to remind you again of the faithfulness of God. That when that death angel saw the blood that he would pass over the house of the children of Israel. So Passover was a sign of what God had done, but it's also a blessed sign of what God is going to do for them, what he has done for us. It was such a glorious sign of Christ and the crucifixion of Christ. And so that when the Lord sees the blood in our life, that we've claimed the blood of Jesus Christ on our own life, we've received that sacrifice of Christ in our own life, that when his judgment comes on a disobedient and unfaithful world, when he sees the blood, he will pass over us, and we will no longer be under his wrath. We see that, again, that sacrifice of Jesus allows us to escape, just like Passover helped that generation there of the Hebrew children as they came out of Egypt. He also helps us to be able to escape the bondage of sin and the bondage of the law. And we also see in this whole portion right here, in these few verses, that hand of God's provision when they fully trusted in him and were faithfully obedient to him. Yes, faithfully obedient even to their own hurt. But from this time on, gang, they ate of the fat of the land. And God provided for them. They ate the things that year that they didn't plant. They hadn't been there. They went there and God says, this is yours. And so they were able to glean from the land. It was a faithfulness and the fullness of God's provision in their life. How God wants to show himself in our lives. And oh, how we need to honor him in every area of our lives in order that he has that opportunity to show his might and his wonder and his faithfulness and his provision and his protection and his presence and his love and his forgiveness in our life when we walk just in faithful obedience. God was about to do something within the children of Israel's life, something supernaturally powerful in their lives, but they needed to empty themselves of themselves in order that he might be all in all. And gang, I believe the same story is true for us today. The spiritual battles that you may be in, spiritual battles that are attacking your family or you as an individual, the spiritual battles that are attacking this fellowship, the spiritual battles that are attacking this nation, the spiritual battles that are attacking this world are real and true. And when you and I as individual believers come to that point of maturity in our life, saying, Lord, here's my heart. Speak to me. Tell me what's true about my heart. Because I'll lie to myself. I'll tell myself, oh, I'm okay. 
I'm better than he is. I'm better than she is. But that's not really the truth, is it? The truth is, is that each one of us have areas in our life that probably still need to be cut away, still need to be dealt with, in order that he might be all in all. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the book of Joshua next time. Now, we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you Anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now, here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting the open word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the book of Joshua. That's next time on The Open Word.